welcome to a new episode of Las Pláticas. We are your hosts, I'm Sarah. This is Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey girls, uh, Kristen, this is Las Pláticas numero... 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 Numero siete. Yes. Numero dos, numero dos. Um, who do we have in studio today? Today, I'm so excited that we have live, sitting right next to us, uh, literally feet away, is Isabel Quintero. Yay! Hello, hello everyone. Yes. So, uh, Isabel is with us today, and I wanted to welcome you all as well to another episode of Las Platicas. And as you may remember, Las Platicas is a show hosted by us here at Comodity Comics, where we meet with creators and friends to talk about upcoming projects, events, and all-around awesome-ass news in the Latinx comic community. And today, like I said, today we have with us Latinx creator Isabel Quintero. And you may recall from our episode... So 36, because I know you constant listeners have listened to all of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you may recall episode 36 where we reviewed the graphic novel Photographic, The Life of Graciela Iturbide. And we absolutely loved it. Uh, and I was just, uh, and Sarah and Jen, we all were just so taken with uh, Isabel's storytelling. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've had the opportunity to meet her in person at San Diego Comic-Con 2018 yeah. and also the Latino Comics Expo in Modesto. Uh, you guys all remember that uh, adventure. <laughs> uh, and since ha- we have readily devoured some of her other works, including Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, and... Her brand new children's book, My Papi Has a Motorcycle. We are so excited and honored to be able to have Isabel in studio today with us, and we can't wait to hear all about her journey into comics and her upcoming projects. So, welcome, Isabel. Bienvenida. Thank you all for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming into the studio, and I mean, because the dynamic is so awesome. I mean, we already had cheese, and and (laughs) uh, we we went a little, uh, what does it get, pinky up with the cheese and the, uh, the grapes. Um, but it's so wonderful to have you here. So thank you so much for making the drive and coming down to the studio. No, it's my pleasure. And you said there'd be cheese and beer, so I'm going. Here we are. The cheese part has been taken care of. Exactly. Just the beer. Right? And that actually transitions us into we are going to share a beer today, guys. Yay. Yeah. Right from the get-go. Right. We get drunk. And I'm, I'm super excited because the last time we tried a beer by the Delirium Brewery, which is actually Delirium Brewery, right? We Last time we tried a beer with the elephant on it, we we discovered that it was uh, the actual name of the brewery was something else. Am I yeah, remembering that right? Yeah, it's not called... No, I'm a delirium. It's huge. <laughs> Something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, so that's why everyone calls it delirium. <laughs> yeah. Because they're best known for yes. their delirium. So today we are drinking a delirium deliria, which is a Belgian style, uh, strong pale, pale ale. Ooh. And, oh, look at this. International Women's Day is March 8th, and it's a global event celebrating the accomplishments of women. The master brewer at Belgium's, and I'm sorry I keep butchering this name, <laughs> Brewridge Hue, 
Belgue, <laughs> uh, I can't pronounce Belgium words apparently, wanted to bring their own special touch to this important day by inviting 30 woman brewers to collaborate on a limited edition ale. The result is Delirium Deliria, a brew with a touch of floral finesse and a fine fruity quality. So that's actually pretty cool. It really is. That's a really awesome... It explains a lot about the bottle. Yeah, it's a, a really awesome uh, like theme uh, mm -hmm. to have for a beer. And it says that uh, Deliria is a pale blonde ale brewed with pills malt ground maize, oats, and basmati rice. I like I basmati know, rice. Too. Oh, my God. Oh. I was really surprised to see that as part of the um, the ingredients. Wow. Um, it's hopped with Seaz, Styrian Golding, and Spalter Select, and dry hopped with Seaz, Saz. I think I'm mispronouncing that hop, too. Um, <laughs> some coriander. We're Ooh. really getting a lot of beers with coriander yeah, lately. Yeah. And a carefully selected yeast. It is also a, a re-fermented in the bottle. So I don't think we've ever had one of those before. No, so that's really know. interesting. Um, and it says it's perfectly balanced with a fruity and flowery, flowery background and an initial impression of Chardonnay. So uh, it's telling us here that we're going to get some maybe some wine notes as well. So it says it can be combined with sweet and sour food like rhubarb, tart with goat cheese, and goes well with a delicate uh, herb like rosemary. So, hmm. uh, and it's an 8.5 ABV. All right. Well, salud, guys. Salud. Yes. Salud. It salud. smells really good. It does. Yay. Ching, ching. <laughs> <laughs> it smells so good. Oh, it smells so delicious. Good. It's, it is very flowery. And I do, it does smell like when you're wine tasting, it has the scent of a Chardonnay. And mm -hmm. the, like a buttery, like, yeah. mm -hmm. smell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is really awesome. Not, okay, let me this taste it. This is how classy I am. I'm like, you know, <laughs> pepperoni pizza with jalapenos. This is bomb. <laughs> you oh, know what? Yes. Actually, wow. that's not too far from the truth. It's really... This is a beer that I could possibly eat with. It's good. Yeah. It's very good. You don't eat with all your beer? Oh, no, that's yes, right. I, I You're that weirdo. <laughs> You're the weirdo. Honestly, <laughs> I'm the weirdo. Like, a lot of people tell me, well, how do you, how do you eat at the same time as you drink? Like, I have mm -hmm. to do one or the other to completion and then what? have, like, they either have to drink all their beer and then eat their food or eat all their food. And then I drink. do, I chase yeah. my food with my beer. See, like, I, yeah. I yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. Oh. So this I think I could have like, you know, pepperoni pizza con jalapenos. It's, it's very, it, it's very layered in its flavoring. Like you get the, the, the pale ale taste in the beginning and then you get all that like complex other like Chardonnay flavor and, mm -hmm. and coriander and all the stuff that they were talking about. But mm -hmm. it's like really, really interesting. Yeah, I think it, it. I think it's really. They mix well. Yeah, I. Yeah. I think these women brewers really did a great job of really layering this beer. Um, it's really crisp too. It's not heavy at all. Yeah, yeah. And it's, also, it feels full. Yes, yeah. like, yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Every time I've we've had a, a delirium mm. beer, and I'm sorry, I know it's not delirium, but um, we've loved it. We've oh, enjoyed it. So. Yeah. Uh, which we've never gone wrong with it. So, um, do you guys have any other uh, notes from the tasting? Um, they're 
it doesn't grab your tongue. It is multi-layered. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flavor. Um, it's not fruity. I mean, I thought it was going to be like fruity, maybe mm-hmm. sweet, but it's not. There's a bitterness to it, but it's very light. It's not like it doesn't overpower you, mm-hmm. and it's really light. And how, how many uh, percent? Eight point five. Eight point five. This is really good. It's I, very very good. I actually found this at Torrens Beer Cellar as well. That's my favorite local uh, <laughs> beer beer cellar with an S, but it, it's actually called Beer Cellar with a C. <laughs> um, here in Torrance, they have beers from all over um, the United States, as well as the local um, stuff, yeah, as well as the local stuff, and as well as imported stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a really awesome place, and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They have actual beer t- tastings yes. on um, Friday nights, mm-hmm. and then this last weekend they had one on Saturday too. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. free beer tastings. You they usually are um, sponsored by a certain brewery that comes and brings a variety of their beers, and they give you little tasters of them. And there's a representative from the brewery that's there that is very knowledgeable generally about not only the beers themselves, but the way um, that the brewery functions and uh, how they make the beers. I've always uh, enjoyed talking to the representatives and have learned a lot from them when I go to the beer tasting. So definitely if you are uh, in the Los Angeles area or in the South Bay, um, it is worth a drive to go check out Beer Cellar. Torrance mm-hmm. Beer Cellar. Torrance Beer Cellar, yeah. Um, so are you guys ready to rate the Yes. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who might not remember what our rating system is, it's a five-point scale um, from flaccid <laughs> being number one all the way up to rigid being number five. And if we really, really, really enjoy the beer and it is off the charts, then that is a six out of five, and it is a super saiyan. So, uh, Sarah, do you want to start? Uh, yes, I think I'm gonna go five out of five with this. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's something, it was really surprising to me. I didn't think it was just gonna be so multi-layered and when I read the ingredients I was really surprised that they can come together so perfectly. So that's, that's my rating. Mm-hmm. So good. This is Jen. I'm also gonna go with a rigid and I was trying to pin down what exactly it reminds me of, but it reminds me of, um, uh, my favorite drink, uh, rose blossom, Milk tea. Oh, so it was like cherry blossom, like a cherry rose blossom milk tea. Uh-huh. It's, uh, uh, my, my siblings don't like it, but I really like it and my mom likes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their main complaint is that it tastes like perfume. Oh, and yeah. I was oh, just okay. like, uh, what, to me, that's not it. I, to me, it's very flavorful. Yeah. And this is what this reminds me of. Yeah. Kind of. Cause there's like, Tim, you said you don't really taste the floral, but I kind of I do. do. You do? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I'm gonna go back I, and drink some more. I taste, yeah, I taste the floral sense to it and, uh, for me, it might not stick around on the tongue, but it definitely mm. around my mouth mm-hmm. area, I can still taste it, and I really like that. I think that's really good. Yeah. So this is Kristen, and I am also rating it a 5 out of 5. And uh, I over and above what it tastes like and how yummy it is, the fact that it is brewed by women and it was launched specifically on Women's Day on March 8th, I think is just awesome and amazing. Um, I can only imagine that um, beer brewing is also a not traditionally a woman's uh, career path. And so the fact that there are uh, women out there who are in the industry and who are making amazing beer like the one we're tasting 
releasing right now um, is super cool. I actually read up on that. It used to be mostly dominated by women. Really? What? No way. Yes. Uh, and it was later uh, kind of redone by monks. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, um, but it was... Trappist mo- monks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because like a lot of people made like way back, way, way, way back in the day would do their beer at home. Yes. And mm-hmm. who was mostly at home? Mm-hmm. Women. Women. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. But um, society and their misogynistic ways have to put people and things into boxes. And, of course, beer drinking somehow became associated with sports, watching sports, mm. which is associated with men. And women uh, uh, somehow got connected with wine, which I love wine, too. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we we all can enjoy all of it uh, and Absolutely. as much of it as we want. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Yes. So, Isabel, mm-hmm. what is your uh, rating um, on your scale on a scale from one to five? I think I'd give it. I'm gonna be an ass. Like a four point five. I wouldn't give it a full five. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed like the full mouthfeel yeah the, the taste and i did get the floral notes and after you said yeah. that about the wine like mm-hmm. i could smell that yeah and i could taste that um it was really good like mm-hmm. i said i'd totally chill eating some pizza yeah. beer. <laughs> most definitely pizza yeah. and beer that's like my go-to because yeah. <laughs> sometimes at least for time. me the the 8.5 or the higher abvs they taste a little bit stronger yeah or heavier yeah. Mm-hmm. but this one doesn't feel that way. right yeah. yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah. Excellent. So fives, uh, three fives and a 4.5. Excellent. (laughs) Gosh, I just want to go and buy all the, (laughs) all the beers now. So now that we we have uh, everyone nice and loosened up with our, <laughs> our beer tasting, we're gonna go ahead and hit you with the hard questions now, Isabel. <laughs> Maybe before the beer would have been better. <laughs> but obviously, we'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better, um, and so um, we'd like for you to introduce yourself, and in doing so, talk a little bit about how um, you began your writing career. I think it's really awesome. Some, all the different types of writing that you do and um, all the different books that you've written in your career. And most important, not most importantly, but most interestingly to me is how you transitioned from writing, how you transitioned in your writing career into writing a graphic novel, photographic, the um, book that we reviewed. So um, introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about uh, that. All right. So um, I'm Isabel Quintero and I am the daughter of Mexican immigrants. My parents migrated to this country in the late 70s, and I always find that that's important to say, especially in this climate. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, that, um, aquí estamos y no nos vamos. That's right. um, So I think maybe I started my writing career earlier than I had first imagined. You know, like, my mom, um, my mom made it, she did, she got pulled out of school very early age Mm -hmm. because she was going to be a wife. Yep. And what did you need school for? Yep. If you were going to be a wife, you need to learn how to make tortillas, mm-hmm, la, la limpiar, mm-hmm. you know, that's yep. what you need to okay. do. But my mom, um, she loves school. She still loves learning. And so when I was a kid, you know, she worked a lot, often worked double shifts. And, um, but when she had a time off, we'd sit together and we'd read. Mm-hmm. And she would, I remember being 
probably kindergarten learning how to read and reading Amelia Bedelia with my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mom would be learning English and I would be learning how to read. And it was for me reading then became now that I look back, it became a, a form of um, love, right? Like yeah. a symbol mm-hmm. of love, of connection You're with right. my mom, who I didn't get to spend a lot of time with. And I also just loved writing little stories. I recently, she showed me a poem that I had written her. I was probably like in second grade, and she still Aww. has it. Aww. You know, mom saved everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom saved everything. So she's like, oh, mira lo que encontré. And, um, you know, so I've always been writing, and, and poetry is was always my first yeah. love. And so, you know, I went to school. I was going to be a high school English teacher. I went to Cal State San Bernardino. Go Coyotes. <laughs> and I failed miserably mm. as a high school English teacher. I was, like, mm. super shitty. Like, um, can we cuss on him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do it all the time. We do it all the time. You're fine. You're good. <laughs> no, like, I was just terrible. Um, you know, I was in an intern program, which meant that I was – learning how to be a teacher as I was teaching. Oh, right. And so um, I was 23. I was way too nice. Oh, um, yeah. The boys hit on me. I was short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was asked for my hall pass by security all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I just, it, it didn't, wasn't a fit. And so I had been writing poetry the whole time. I fell in love with poetry probably 10th grade. I read E.E. E. Cummings, much like Gabby, mm-hmm. right? Like I read E.E. E. Cummings and that was it. I was like, oh, you don't have to use capital letters. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to use what? Yeah. Like, and so my poetry was just, oh like shitty, angsty, teen, like poetry. Oh, and then I, I tried that. To, <laughs> then I tried to get all, you know, like, oh, I'm going to write about like trees and nature. Oh, I know that journey you're talking about. I know it very well. Oh, it was, it was super bad. She was on the next bus. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there's more people on that bus still coming. Um, but, um, and so I started, you know, just writing and I learned about, uh, Michelle Ceros, Red Chicana Falsa, Stories of Death Identity, uh, and other stories of death identity in Oxnard. Mm-hmm. And, um, that book changed my life. And I started yeah. writing in Spanglish and Spanish uh, about mm-hmm. being Chicana, about my life as a Mexican. I was like, oh, you can write a poem about chicharrones? Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write about whatever I want. <laughs> and, um, and that's how I started, just writing poetry. And so when I failed as a high school English teacher, I um, started questioning my life choices. <laughs> like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I started thinking about how I grew up, and um, and that's how I started writing Gabby. And so Gabby's a little bit autobiographical. And then, um, you know, fast forward a few years after Gabby was published, um, the Getty reached out and they commissioned photographic the life of Graciela Turbide. They asked me if I was interested in writing the book. Um, they had brought the project to different, uh, LAPL librarians and there was one, Mary McCoy, she, um, said, you know who you should talk to? Isabel Quintero. And I had not met Mary. Like she had wow. read my work and she, um, you know, she believed in my work and I had interacted with her like maybe once she asked me her a quote mm-hmm. for a LAPL and then she, um, you know, she just was super supportive. She wrote a letter of support. And so the Getty reached out, and I said, fuck yeah. And they said, well, I said, thank you for considering this. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, but, um, you know, and then they said, do you have anyone you'd like to work with or any illustrator you'd like to work with? And Zeke and I had already been talking about um, different graphic novels because he did the, the cover of Gabby, and we became, oh, okay. and we became friends. 
and we were throwing around ideas of, of maybe doing a graphic novel together. And so when this book, this project came, you know, to us, I was like, what are you doing for the next year? <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, it was, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. working with him and so that's how that's you know, a great to team up i mean he, he's so gifted mm-hmm. amazing I am lucky yeah yeah you guys just uh really blew it out of the water just is that what you say blew it out of the park yeah. out of what i don't know hit it out of the park yes no i totally uh i don't even know how we came across that book i was like we gotta read this we got it in at the shop oh yeah. okay yeah i had i had ordered it from uh for, for the shop after mm-hmm. i'd been going through orders and stuff like that thank you because <laughs> <laughs> it looked cool and i was just like oh uh a Latino photographer, you don't really see that. Yeah. So I was just like, I'll order two copies for the shop. And that's how we got it in. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's um, awesome. And she, you know, the Getty, it was for PSTLALA. It wasn't mm-hmm. for that, but it was around the same time. She was going to have three exhibits in different places. Oh. I don't know if you went to any of the PSTLALA stuff. That's Pacific no. Standard Time, Los Angeles, Latin America, mm-hmm. and um, Southern California from Santa Barbara to San Diego. In I think it was like over 120 museums and galleries were showcasing oh, wow. work by Latin American artists oh. that had some sort of connection with Southern California, with Los Angeles, and um, she did uh, the White Fence East LA photographs. Right, and so yes. um, you know she was at Scripps. I think they had her work at the Hammer and they're probably at the Getty. They mm-hmm. had her at three yeah. different places, and and so they wanted the book. It, it didn't have to be part of it, but they wanted it to coincide mm-hmm. with it. So, yeah. But, but that's why they were coming up with the, the project. And they wanted to celebrate more Latinx artists and more women artists. Yeah. You know, which I think is super important. Yeah. Like, for instance, when we uh, reviewed it and uh, read it, we were like, I feel kind of bad. Like, we should get our card, uh, la, la, our Mexican Latinx card uh, um uh, we should return it because we didn't learn about her in school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it would have been super awesome if we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder why they don't teach us about her. She's so amazing. Yeah. Well, the same reason they don't teach us about anybody. Right. Right. Like omission, you know, censorship by omission. Maybe they don't in really censor us, but by omitting us, they are censoring us in our history, you know, making mm-hmm. us invisible to everyone, even to ourselves, sadly, sometimes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you said you had started off with poetry, mm-hmm. and um, there's kind of been a shift in the comics industry that's seen a lot of, like, prose writers or, like, basically other uh, not, like, mm-hmm. comic writers uh, venture into comic book writing, like Roxane Gay and ta Coates. Uh, and then, so, as a poet and a prose writer yourself, can you talk a little bit about how writing a graphic novel differed from your other works, from writing Gabby, uh, or from, uh, like, My Puppy Has a Motorcycle? Yeah, I think, you know, I just like telling stories, mm-hmm. right? I just like writing and whatever form that comes in, right? But um, I, you know, graphic novels, comics, they require a different skill set, learning a different form, right, mm-hmm. of script writing. I did not know this, so el pobre de Zeke. I turned him, <laughs> the first when I turned him, like you know, what uh, the proposal because we had to submit a proposal first mm-hmm. to show them how we'd work together. Um, I sent him paragraphs, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, this is not how it's supposed to go." Yeah. And so then he, you know, he recommended Scott McCloud's book, yeah, and then. Yeah. He was like, you know, give me a bunch of tips, and I read scripts, and then I mm-hmm. pulled um, scripts off Marvel and DC website, you know, mm-hmm. looking at comic stuff, and 
um, and then movie scripts even, you know, I was just looking at how are you supposed to write this thing? Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn that. And then, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's interesting. Like the, the book, if you've read it, you know, and you all have, but it's very lyrical. So I still mm-hmm. used my poetry skills and I use that in everything that I write. I and, think you did a really good job with that because the problem with like stuff like Roxane Gay mm-hmm. and Ta-Nehisi Coates in the beginning, mm-hmm. they were very wordy. They were very, very wordy. They didn't let their artist tell the story that they were trying to tell. They were trying to, they were still writing like books. So with your book, it was the fact that it was lyrical and that there wasn't heavy dialogue in it absolutely helped a lot and, uh, really helped with the storytelling and the flow of it all. So even if like going from it from a poetic aspect, I think is better than how stuff like Rex, Roxanne Gay and Tanahasi Coates have done where they just, it was just blocks of text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, shout out to Zeke Benya, um, cause he's an awesome, editor (laughs) because it would have been that right Uh and but zeke is also a strong writer and like Mm -hmm. i said a strong editor and so he was like dude this is too much like you can't Mm -hmm. fit this in a panel you know Uh like we're like i'm already showing it in the illustration so you don't need to be saying it either and so getting into the rhythm of okay he's already showing it i don't need to say it um you know and really collaborating because we you know he lives in el paso but we were on the phone we had a Mm -hmm. year to we had under a year to complete the project and that included research wow like every everything from beginning to end amazing yeah so i think our first deadline was like april 1st we got the project the beginning of august 2016 2017 we had to turn in i think by april 1st wow you know and so um but he was really good about that about helping me cut things out that i didn't need and to Mm -hmm. show me and impatient too, right? Like mm-hmm. to show me like why things need to be a certain way, why I can't have so much word, why I can't have uh-huh. so much text. And there is a lot of text anyway, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the dividers and there's a lot, there are chunks of their paragraphs, right? Yeah. Um, but that was also the Getty who allowed us to, they said, we want you to do a graphic novel, but define that term as you'd like, mm-hmm. right? Like That's good. Interesting. And I feel so. like, especially for that work, having those like, pages of that just that was just paragraphs mm-hmm. that gave information it worked really well with what you were doing because it was more of a like a biography piece mm-hmm. more than anything and sometimes you needed that and you were using the photographs yeah. as well so i think that also did a really good job with because like we needed context for these photographs that sometimes you won't be able to put into just like a small dialogue box you needed yeah. some paragraphs yeah. so it, it all flowed very well yeah no, that was also good. zeke you know, he, he came mm-hmm. up with the idea to put the, the photographs in the panels, oh. right? As opposed to having like an insert or something like that, mm-hmm. but just to, or like a page of their own, right? But to make them actually a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I think with that in mind, then we were like, it was just, you know, better for storytelling and better for you know, yeah. telling people, you know, mm-hmm. about her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. In your uh, 2014 YA novel, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, mm-hmm. It's a coming-of-age story. Uh, it's in a journal format. Gabby being the young um, Mexican-American teenage girl working through events that occur, you know, during her senior year in high school. I could definitely relate with her, um, especially I totally identified with her. I mean, the strained and strong bond she had with her mom, like that was totally me and my mom. And um, the unequal distribution of chores, las tareas de la casa, like, you know, I felt that with my brother, like, you know, I would wait on him hand and foot. And yet, you know, whenever I wanted to go yeah. out, I had to clean the bathroom, you know. Same. And my brother and I are 12 <laughs> years apart. Yep. 
including her weight struggle, her low self-esteem, um, how she's like, who would love a fat girl? That, that was something that I actually would think about in, during high school as well. What was your inspiration to write this novel? How did you, your own experiences as a Latina and, um, and how, and did you use your own journals from high school to write this? I mean, it was just so amazing. I, I love the book. It was oh, so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, it was my life. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is, um, autobiographical. Obviously it's a work of fiction. So I, I, I have to make that clear because I think sometimes people, like people call me Gabby and it's like, no, I'm not Gabby. Dude, I actually did that for the first, the, when I first, like right before I met you, I was like, Gabby, no, 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 that's not her. <laughs> Which makes me feel good, right? Like that, you know, pat myself on the back, that's terrible to say, but like, you know, good. I care, I created a character that people, you know, relate to and, and, and care about and, um, you know think of as real and a lot of Gabby is me right so short light skin she kind of fat girl I'm a short light skin she kind of fat girl <laughs> right um I had my mom was really strict like that that first page where she's quoting her mom saying her mom saying Ojos abiertos, piernas cerradas. Oh, totally. That's a direct quote from my mom. Oh, my that yeah. is like direct yeah. quote from what, from <laughs> my is, mom telling me. I think me. that's a quote that we all yes. heard or grew up with. And, you know? Oh my god, yeah. And so I, I actually haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's something my mom would always tell me. I remember I went to prom, mm-hmm. um, and with my friend who is gay, mm-hmm. and my mom's like, Ten cuidado, ojos abiertos, piernas cerradas. I'm like, yeah, I'm not his type. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but yeah, and you know, I, I grew up with my dad. Uh, my dad struggled with drugs, with addiction, right? Mm-hmm. He's um, he's older now, and he's been sober for a few years now. But mm-hmm. what, growing up, I felt that that was an experience that I had alone. And as a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, you feel all your experiences are your yeah. own, that uh-huh. no one else has them. Mm-hmm. But especially that, right? And we don't talk about it in the Latinx, in the Mexican yeah, community. Right. We don't mm-hmm. talk about addiction. You know, no. like, tu papá anda mal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. O, tu sabes como tu tío le gusta tomar uh-huh. every day, though? <laughs> yeah. Tu sabes como son. Yeah. Tu sabes como son. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but no. Mm-hmm. Like, these are real diseases. These are yeah. real concerns that we should be talking about. But we don't, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I think that was ultimately, you know, what propelled the story. Like, we keep so much inside. Right. We keep so much hidden. We keep so much to ourselves that we end up sometimes isolating ourselves Mm -hmm. and just struggling with so many things with mental health issues. And we just don't share it. And so I, you know, I always got in trouble as a young person for being Osicona. And I think it'll probably be my next tattoo, Osicona somewhere in me. But my mom always like the the only times que que me pegaron, right? It was like three times that I remember and was always for talking back. And my mom would say, and now I feel like, okay, well, I'm going to do that with my writing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to like that, 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 um, dedication at the beginning of the book that it's for all the gorditas and flaquitas and in between girls trying to make it out on the world. You got this. I, like that's who I wrote the book for, right? Like for, for us that maybe at sometimes didn't feel seen, you know, or didn't feel that our experience was, um, Within, but I'm a reader, mm-hmm. right? And and I loved reading. It didn't matter what I read, you know. I could find something to connect to. But fuck, my life would have been different if I would have read Michelle Cerros as a young person, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. I would have seen myself in a book, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Most and so, definitely. And so I I started writing this book, and um, you know, she loves poetry. I love poetry, but she's also a lot braver 
than I was in high school. Like, I was super shy around boys. Like, I would not... I couldn't believe that a boy would be interested in me. Oh, same, same. And so when boys would try to flirt with me, I would, like... Um, like, are you playing a joke? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, who are, dared you to yeah, come up to me? <laughs> yeah, who, and yeah. so I remember, I tell the story all the time, like, there was this boy I had a crush on, and his name was Matthew, and my friend had him in a class with, and we, at my school, we had block periods, so we had a 15 minute passing period at one point. It was called snack time, which oh, in yeah. high school. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, snack time. And so, um, he was coming down the hallway. She's like, oh, my God, there comes Matthew. I'll introduce you to him. I hid in a bathroom the whole time. Oh my I was God. like, no, this can't. You know, Gabby is not like that. Yeah. <laughs> Gabby feels confident. She talks to boys, you know. Um, I also wanted to talk about rape, you know, which is mm-hmm. another thing we don't talk about, uh, date rape and sexual violence and just mm-hmm. so many things that I think we that we pretend doesn't happen to young people, mm-hmm. right, or, or we pretend is only like – Right. Like, no, those are in our community, too, that we need to address these things. And mm-hmm. so the book isn't like a like a teach you book or a lesson book, you know, but it's like another way. Here's another way of experiencing the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's another way of being Mexican that we're not we don't only we're not only cholos. We're not only drug dealers. We're not only rapists. We're not only, you know, people who work in the fields. We also do other things. We have mm-hmm. a different kind of lives, you know, and I wanted to address that too, like the different ways of being Chicana in the United States, Yeah, you know? Yeah, so. I totally loved your book and especially mm-hmm. like the fact that, you know, she has all these things that she feels flawed in, but at the same time, um, she's applying to go to college and that's something I didn't do. And I, I read this and I'm like, I could have done that. You, you know? can still do it, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, you yeah. me cry. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma was yeah. like in her 70s yeah. and she when she started like going to school. Really? Wow. Mm. And I remember being in college and being so shocked that there were women in my freshman classes that were in their like 60s. Wow. And, like little gray hair. I mean, to me, little ladies. <laughs> now it's like, okay, that'll be me in a couple years. But, <laughs> like, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it, it really is never too late. Mm-mm. Yeah. Y'all just made me feel better about myself. Because <laughs> I still haven't finished my last year of college, even though I need to. <laughs> no, it's and never well, too late. And I, but I'll and, get around to it. And honestly, I'm somebody who thinks that, um, you should totally be educated, but you don't need to go to school to, to yep. do that. Mm-hmm. You can educate yourself in so many ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Word. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally, and I'm a teacher, so, like, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I love education. I believe in education. But I also think there's a lot to be said. Like, I've met so many people who did, don't have a college degree yeah. and who are, like, way smarter yeah. than people with college degrees, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then I've met academics that I'm like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing in <laughs> academia, right? Like, yeah. you, how did you pay for your degree? Yeah. Like, you, oh, like, 100%. That's money. <laughs> That's money, honey. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the whole college thing, the last thing I'll say about that with, with Gabby is that, um, you know, I wanted to go to Berkeley. I wanted to move away. And my mom was like, no, que vas a ir a hacer? No, mm-hmm. no. Libertinaje. That was another word. Yes. Like, oh, libertinaje. like she was worried that I was going to go sleep around. Si. Because mm-hmm. you can't sleep around when you're at home, right? Like that is <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to go away. So, yeah. so she, you know, but I was so afraid. So I only applied to, I didn't apply to UCR because I was a few blocks from where I lived. <laughs> I applied to Cal State San Bernardino and Cal Poly Pomona. That was it. Mm. 
because they were close enough to drive mm. to, and then they weren't so far. But as I got older, I realized, what was she going to do if I moved away? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> she wasn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. She would have gotten mad, and then she would have gotten over it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know? Right. And we don't realize it until after we're older and yeah. until after it's happened. We're like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And that's how my brother got away with so much fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my brother told me that, too. Like, when he was my brother, six years younger than me, almost seven mm-hmm. years younger. And he'd be like, I don't know why you listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much, yeah. So it was like, uh, like, he could, he was, he didn't come home sometimes, and he was in high school, he oh, didn't yeah. come home sometimes till like 2, 3 a.m., oh, yeah. and my mom would be up and waiting and yelling at him, mm-hmm. but Lord forbid if I didn't make it home at 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I had a 9 o'clock curfew, and I was 20. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my mom. <laughs> even even now. Yeah, I'm every not, time. That's how it felt. Wow. If I'm not home by 11 p.m., my mom's blowing up my phone. Kristen knows. Yeah, even when she's with me. Uh, oh, yeah. She's like, ¿A las <laughs> No, but seriously, like, my first boyfriend uh, was in my senior year of high school, and we would go out, and then... um I would be like, I have to be home at 10.30, like no 10.31. And so then when we he was driving back home and it was like 10.30 and I would start hyperventilating. He's like, stop it. You're making yourself sick. And I'm like, I need to throw up. Because <laughs> we weren't going to make it on yeah, time. Yeah. 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 No, it was, I was 9 These o'clock. mind games. When I could, <laughs> I, on Fridays, I could get home at 9.10 because I was going to youth group, my church youth group, and it ended at 9. And it was only... It should only take me no more than 10 minutes to get from church home. Wow. What would have been even when I achieved me out with people out there? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Strict. strict No, I feel you. Totally feel you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as a Latina, um, in, uh, in storytelling, uh, do you feel, what responsibilities, if any, do you feel when it comes to representation? This is this is the one that I wrote like a lot on. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't write the other ones. Um, I do think I have a responsibility, right? I, I do. Um, what that responsibility is for different people who are writers, and 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 I'll say this: as creators, we do have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, but whatever responsibility we want to take on, right? Um, I think, I think it's important to take it seriously. It's unfortunate that we that we don't have like the liberties of white people to do whatever the fuck we want and write Mm -hmm. whatever we want without having to think what responsibility we have to our community. Right. But I think because so few of us get published that, um, we owe it to the people who are coming after us. Right. And I feel Mm -hmm. that like, maybe it's the teacher in me. I don't know what it is. Like we, we have to think about, you know, those creators that are coming after us. What doors are we opening for them and how are we bringing them along with us? You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think also that um, one of the main things I focus on, though, is like telling honest stories, mm-hmm. like the most mm-hmm. honest stories I can. And, and even if they're work of fiction, even if it's a cat and a mouse who are friends, right? Like being honest about who they are and, and their personalities, not trying to um, be trendy, not mm-hmm. trying to force being Mexican. Like I remember a critique. I don't remember what book it was. Like maybe I need more Spanish. Like I don't Does it? You know, mm-hmm. or is it like, does it sound, you know, I've gotten critiques of like, for Gabby, I remember one Goodreads, 
I stopped reading Goodreads. <laughs> but critique was like, you know, I thought I was going to learn more about Mexican culture in this book. And I was like, what did what? you need? Piñata? Mariachi? <laughs> like a taco with purchase? Like, I don't know what you needed. But it was, you know, like One taco it, how we, I think, what is it, Claudia Rankin, but she, you know, she's talking about black folk, about how they imagine us, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is what you think we are, and and you have no idea, you know, and you just want us to continue creating things that kind of solidify your what? imagination of us, right? Solidify mm-hmm. um, how you think we should be or how you think we should act or the caricature you've imagined us to be, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I want to write honest stories. Um, the other thing I think that because I am light-skinned, um, you know, I think light-skinned Latinx people really, we need to check ourselves constantly and think about the responsibilities that we do we get we do get white privilege we do benefit from that shit you know um and we need to use that privilege to bring people who are not given that privilege up with us you know and to expand the platforms we're given you know and it's not like a savior shit it's like we're part of we're part of a community and that's how i feel i am part of a community i am part of the latinx community i'm part of the mexican community so if I have space, yo tengo algo, it's for everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's not just for me because I didn't get here by myself. I didn't publish these books by myself. My mom and pe- my mom and dad picked cans to pay rent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, even my ex-husband, right? Listening to me read these stories, like my teacher supporting me, my friends supporting me, people reading my manuscript from free. Mm-hmm. So none, of, so none of that is by myself. None of there's none of this pull your own self up by your own bootstrap shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like we. I think, and I think that's my, that's how what I feel my responsibility is. Like, we, we need to help each other. We mm-hmm. really need to help each other. And what I was saying about being light skinned is, I think sometimes light skinned folks have a chip on their shoulder, you know, and I know Gabby talks about it, right? She, she's a teenager also, mm-hmm. right? Like, she talks about being confused as white, and that's something mm-hmm. that bothers, and that was something that bothered me as a young person. But now, as a 37 year old person, like, yeah, that ain't shit. Like, so what? They're, you know, my parents are brown and they're brown presenting and they're Mexican presenting out in the world. And I worry about them all the time Mm -hmm. because what that means to them, not somebody confusing them as white, but somebody knowing that they're brown and the violence that can happen to them, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think about those things. Um, I wrote it all out and now I'm rambling because I just get so angry about this shit. Like yeah. I get really angry, you know? Um, so I think those are responsibilities and supporting each other and constantly supporting each other. And because I do write for kids, um, I think there's a little bit extra responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, because I want to write stories that kids see themselves in. Even They don't have to be serious. They could be fun. You know, I like writing funny things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I want our kids to be able to see themselves in books mm-hmm. and to be able to read a book. You know, I was in St. Louis, Missouri. No, Kansas, sorry, Kansas City, Missouri. I was in Kansas City, Missouri, and I was presenting it at a school, and um, it was a mostly black school, and there was like a handful of Latinx kids. And I started reading Ugly Cat and Pablo, and we started talking about chicharrones. <laughs> and those kids were looking at me like, what did you say? Yeah. Like, you said chicharrones. I know what that is. And they were like, I know what chicharrones is. And just so excited that I get their name right and that they, you know, that, yeah. that they're, yeah. they're seen by somebody, yeah. you know? So I take all of those things as responsibility. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
And angering, but wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And we're so happy to have you out there representing us and doing that work. It's so amazing. No, thank you. So I can't help but notice, this is Kristen, uh, your Santa Susia shirt that you made <laughs> today. And we also did um, an episode on Santa Susia, who um, it's a zine that is, I think they came out with their last um, yeah, issue their last recently, issue. but are on to other projects, I oh, believe. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I need that shirt, uh, so I, I, I need to uh, track one down. But um, <laughs> when we first met you, you had a non-compliant t-shirt on. Yes. Uh, so, um, obviously, you're a fan of Bitch Planet. Um, again, <laughs> oh, a, a yes. book that we reviewed on earlier episodes. Um, and Bitch Planet is actually a perfect example of how creators use storytelling as a type of activism and education on certain topics. And, of course, in Bitch Planet, there's a lot of feminism and uh, women's issues that, um, especially in the essays in the back yeah. of the single issues, oh, yeah. are so amazing. Like my favorite, like one of my favorite things. Yes. That. Yeah. I love those ones. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's sad that they haven't put them into the trade paperbacks, Mm-mm. but um, and if you can get your hands on single issues, it's so worth it. Yep. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So. So, um, you kind of touched upon this already in your answer before, but what type of activism do you really hope to accomplish with your work? Well, I, I know that I can't speak for every, and, and I was going to go back to it in the, the previous question and I forgot because I'm rambling, but I can't <laughs> speak for every Latinx, every Chicana, right? Like I am a daughter of Mexican immigrants who came at a certain time and I'm from the IE i.e. represent i just need to say that (laughs) i just need to say that because you know we're cool too Um, but i'm from the i.e. you know it's a very different experience than a chicana from la Mm -hmm. you know or chicana in iowa of course yes and so um but i think there are some similar some things that we share Mm -hmm. you know and so um bringing those things to the forefront and you know in in my work just i just want us to to be to just be able to exist and to write whatever stories we want to write about. And I think that's some of my activism, yeah. right? And and going into schools and, and just being present. I think that those of us who create, by the fact that we are creating in institutions and systems that were not meant for us, that's activism, mm-hmm. right? That we continue mm-hmm. to create despite the shit we get mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. other people, right? Or pushback that we get. I think that's activism, yeah. right? Because it, it's it's holding, you know, if we're not forcing the door open, at least we're holding it open. You know, we're yeah. there's different levels of activism. Like, I'll go out and protest in the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll send letters to my Congress people, to representatives, you know. I donate. There's so many things that we can do. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we can do to make a difference, right, to actively work to create social change. And I think those of us who are writing, who are creating um, comics, who are women, who are Latinx, who are marginalized people, we've just, by the fact that we create and we do and we survive and we say, fuck you, white supremacy, we're going to do whatever the hell we want, we're not going to bend to you, that's activism. Mm -hmm. You know, that we don't give in to what the white gaze wants us to do, Mm -hmm. you know, or wants us to be. I think that's activism. And I think, I hope my work does that, you Mm know. I didn't think, I didn't think Gabby would be what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that. I thought my mom was going to buy it. My friends were going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. Like, I published my book. You know? <laughs> but I'm going to 
awesome podcast right now mm-hmm. because of that <laughs> book, right? Because it opened the doors for so many things. And, um, you know, so the same thing was like, my puppy has a motorcycle. Like I, I started writing that book when I started writing Gabby, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've gotten a lot of responses like, oh, like we never see dads working, right? Mm-hmm. In, in children's books. We don't see dads working or kids going to work with dad, especially not with their hands, right? Mm-hmm. And the dad in the book is a carpenter because my dad's a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And, um, that I think showing that existence, we build things, we're here, like we do things. I think that's activism mm-hmm. too, you know? And then not only that, that is an actual truth because some, uh, Latino parents take their children to work with yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even with sometimes, even if it is like construction or something. I, yes. I, I would go with my dad. My dad yeah. supposedly to help, you know, uh-huh. by I think this is what we would do, but he like make us put knobs on the doors oh, and, yeah. and, and do stuff. My yeah. mom took me, my mom worked in kitchen in a convalescent home kitchen for most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. When she, when my grandma was, you know, she'd go to Mexico and she didn't have anyone to watch us. My mom would take me to work with her. Put me in a pantry, which sounds weird, right? <laughs> but remember, this is a kitchen, so it's yeah. like a big ass yeah. pantry. Yeah. And so she'd put a little mesita and a silla, mm-hmm. no te salgas de allí, right? Like, and I just have to sit there, but I was super metiche, so I'd be like, in the kitchen, ¿Qué haces? ¿Qué es eso? you know, and then I'd be talking to the patients and stuff. <laughs> but you know, I think making the people who build this country, who build mm-hmm. our communities present. You know, mm-hmm. and saying, no, we're not invisible. It, it, what, what is that artist's name? Uh, Ramiro Gomez? Ramiro, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to look up his name. Mm-hmm. But he is an artist, and I think he's originally from San Bernardino, but he was doing art in Los Angeles, and he does these cutouts, cardboard cutouts of, of people, and he was putting them in, like, mm-hmm. like men in the yard, working in the yard, mm-hmm. to oh. make invisible yeah. people visible. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, you don't see them when they're actually here, but here's a cutout. Uh-huh. And now you see and now that. You, yeah. yeah. You see it, right? Because, like, most of those jobs are jobs that either don't get seen or that people pretend, like, yeah. oh, no, this just yeah. happened. Yeah. And, in fact, it's brown people who are working on it. Yeah. And you just don't want to. Yeah, in fact, it's Ramiro it. Gomez. Yeah, Ramiro mm-hmm. Gomez, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I saw his work, and I'm just, like, in love with his work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that that art is creating and it's activism, mm-hmm. I think, right? And I think... What you all are doing is also activism. You know, you're, you're women talking about comics, you're brown women talking about comics in Spanglish. Like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So going off of that, um, uh, the reason we did call you here, cause we loved, um, uh, your, uh, your book for the Getty, mm-hmm. but then specific, we were talking about, but you know, my puppy has a motorcycle mm-hmm. and just the title itself made me immediately love it when, when I first heard about it because of that Spanglish mm-hmm. that you had it. Cause like poppy is a word that we've, we use, oh, we, yeah. we use, we've heard and it's just immediately uh, on the nose already. You know that this is for. Latinx people. Mm-hmm. But it's also the fact that you've written it is also meant to be shared. Mm-hmm. And I really love that about it. Not only that, in your book, you packed it full of Latinidad mm-hmm. and uh, your own personal experience with your dad as well as the community you grew up in, Corona, California, uh, when you said you were from the mm-hmm. Empire. I had to actually look it up for Corona <laughs> because... Of course, because you're from LA. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because 100% living up to my LA moniker, yeah. I did not know where that was. Yeah. Do you know how long I did not know where Orange County was? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Orange County was in the north. Oh, I love me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, 
the representation in uh, this children's book is awesome, and we'd like for you to talk a little bit about what you felt was most important to put in there, because there was a lot of shout-outs, and a lot of mm-hmm. how you described it, honestly... It looked almost also like where I grew up in Southern California, in like the mostly li- like Latino um, uh, areas mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. And uh, are there any future plans for any, any more Daisy Ramona stories? Um. So I. So first off, yeah, um, Zeke is amazing. So Zeke Pena mm-hmm. also illustrated this yeah. book, mm-hmm. and um, you know he grew up in El Paso, yeah. and so he took his neighborhoods in El Paso, neighborhoods mm-hmm. in El Paso, stores that he would see in El Paso. Mm-hmm. He also, I sent him reference photos of, mm-hmm. of Corona from mm-hmm. back in the day, from present times. And um, he kind of emerged them, right, mm-hmm. to create this this Latinx's barrio that a lot of people would recognize. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, that a lot of, you know, La Tiendita mm-hmm. with the piñatas yeah. afuera. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we, we know that. Yeah. We know that store. We go to this. I still go to that store. Right? <laughs> yeah. I go to that store. And so... Um, yeah, and, and one of the important themes was um, love, mm-hmm. right? And love for parents, love for my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, between Daisy and, and and her dad, and then love for um, the community that you grew up in. And yeah. you know, I think so many times we're pushed to leave where we grew up mm-hmm. and taught to see it as bad, you know, when actually it's maybe there's a lot of poverty, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then is it bad? Are the people bad? Or are the people just broke? You know, and Mm -hmm. we start to confuse those things. And I wanted to celebrate where I lived. And and that corona no longer exists, Mm -hmm. right? That's all just the corona of my memory. Yeah. You know, being a kid, la tortilleria ya no está. Mm -hmm. You know, these different, the the raspados was actually Don Feliz raspados. And I remember Mm -hmm. going with my dad. And remember the last time I went, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't a kid, I was an adult, but going there and being like, what, it's closed? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I wasn't in a full adult. I think it was probably like a teen. Mm -hmm. Like 19? Yeah, like I was, I was, not old, but went with my dad and yes, I was cerrada, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, um, was a bummer and just noticing how community changes and talking about gentrification, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to hit it over the nail, you know, over the head, like, you know, yeah. just, but it is about that, about change and, mm-hmm. and also about the dad at the very beginning, right? Like not being able to say, I love you, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and that's something very real, I think for many of, of the men in our community, right? You don't tell your kids. Like my dad still to this day, he hugs me like the ladito. Side? Uh-huh. The ladito. Right. Or like, or he'll tap my head. Uh-huh. Like, what know. the heck? <laughs> the, the last time my dad like hugged me, hugged me was like in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I remember that because I had to get the surgery and he was really worried mm-hmm. about me. And, um, and I thought, you know, he started hugging me and he cried because mm-hmm. he was worried. And he, I was like, when was the last time my dad hugged me? Probably when I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just really awkward, but, but he did other things, right? To show that he cares. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll put the brakes on my car. He'll, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, no, pues yo, you know, te hago un mueble or whatever, you know, yeah. those things, wow. yeah. those kinds of things, but not mm-hmm. tell your kid, I love mm-hmm. you. And so yeah. I wanted to, 
put, I think a lot of people have connected with that because I get that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. I, get that, I get a lot from a lot of people who, like, I connected with, with yeah. that. And just when, like, when I read that, I tried to remember, like, when was the last time my dad told me he loves me? And I was just like, I know he does, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and I just, I could not remember yeah. when it was. It was probably one time when he was drunk. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the only yeah. acceptable time. That is. Where, yeah. To show feelings. Yeah. To show any kind of feeling besides anger yeah. or, like, laughter, right? Or, yeah. Like, humor mm-hmm. um i think that and it's sad that men aren't given that permission yeah to do those things right mm-hmm. one of the i hate to cut you off oh, no, uh, one of the things i loved about this book uh was um you there at the beginning she's reading a book and she's reading and she's reading uh laura ederson's yeah. face yeah i, I thought that, that was super <laughs> cool that's all zeke that's super cool and yeah. if you zeke is so good at putting like little like easter eggs yeah uh-huh. in books and so if you look in the book, you'll see Zeke's, um, his logo hidden on like a storefront, <laughs> <laughs> different, different things from Corona that I was like, oh my gosh, that there, you know, mm-hmm. like he put it in and he's just so fucking good at just being so detailed and also like telling a big, like he's an amazing storyteller. He's an amazing so storyteller cool. with his illustration, so, yeah. I, I really like, uh, towards, uh, I don't know if almost towards the end where, uh, where of course, uh, she's talking in her head and, um, she said something like, uh, they're building the homes of where the orchards used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was so melancholy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you were tearing, telling a very adult story mm-hmm. in childlike mm-hmm. form and I, I mm-hmm. felt a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it was really great. I yeah, enjoyed thank it. You. Yeah. yeah, um, Kristen bought it and then I read it and, I, and then I ordered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need to have it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of the themes that you're talking about, like as an adult reading this book is just like, kind of like how, you know, the, the Looney Tunes, uh, mm-hmm. cartoons, like it, they're made for kids, but there's so many adult themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm like, that's how I felt reading this book and that I, I identified and was touched by so many of the things that you put in mm-hmm. to the book. And I just, I, that's why we're asking, is there more mm-hmm. Daisy Ramona stories coming? Because I just, I love the story that you told through her eyes in this book. And I think that there's like so many more that potential stories that can be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I am. Um, you know, what's funny. Well, if, if Penguin wants to publish more, <laughs> I would like more. I have, you know, Zeke and I, we've talked about stuff and, you know, like I want to write a book about all my family, mm-hmm. right? I want uh-huh. it for each of them. Like I've written one for my brother and I've started writing one for my mom and, and I want it all to be part of the same world, but you know, that also depends on publishing and stuff mm-hmm. and, yeah. and if they want it or if they don't want it, if you know, but is there stories? Yeah. I would like to take her to other places, you know? Excellent. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we will, we will market the heck out of that Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, we've talked so much about Zeke, uh, already. And so, um, I want to just one more time uh, say Zeke Pena is the illustrator not only of um, My Poppy Has a Motorcycle, but also a photographic, and he is amazing. He yes. is so freaking talented. I just, he really brings your words to life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just wondering, like, what is that like? Like, 
do you have an expectation when you send your scripts to him? And then when has there ever been a time where he sent back a, a, a an actual draft and you're like, no, that's that's not at all what I was picturing. That's unacceptable. Or has he hit it on the uh, the head, the nail on the head, a hundred percent of the time? <laughs> you know, I I feel like it's a true collaboration. Like it really is like a true collaboration. Um, because we are in constant contact with mm-hmm. each other and which is not usually how it works. Yeah. Right. In children's books, often the authors do not meet the illustrators. You don't get to talk mm-hmm. to really? them. Really? No. Oh, wow. You don't get really? to talk to them. You use your editor as a mediator. And so you send your manuscript to the editor and the editor sends it to the illustrator. Illustrator sends illustrations to the editor and then it, that's how it gets filtered and you don't get to talk to the illustrator. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. But with Zeke, um, what was different is he also did the cover for Gabby, a girl in pieces. Mm-hmm. And so that was his first book cover and my first book and single puntos press, um, who published, um, Gabby, you should check out their, their books. They have amazing books. Um, it, they're small. Like mm-hmm. I have all of their phone numbers in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I can text them. So it's small. And then, so they had Zeke do it and Zeke started texting me and emailing me and asking me for writing samples and what do you think about this and what do you think about that? I didn't know that was different oh. until I met other authors, right? Mm. Who were like, oh, you talked to your cover designer? I was like, yeah, didn't you? No, we're not <laughs> even allowed to pick the cover, you know, like just weird things like that. But wow. with Zeke, it's, it's constant communication. Um, and for the most part, we, you know, he's, we worked well with the graphic novel. You guys will get a kick out of this. Um, the manuscript was being written as it was being illustrated. Wow. It was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Talk yeah. about different. Pobre Zeke. <laughs> right? Because I'm like sending him stuff. He's sending me illustrations. I'm sending him more stuff just because of the timeline. Right. Okay. And we had other projects going on at the same time. Wow. Um, but we have learned to communicate with each other like he's we're really good at that like the communication is great i learned that i sigh when i'm frustrated because he pointed it out <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it was like a weird conversation he was like what's wrong i'm like what he's like i just could feel the sigh all the way in el paso like, <laughs> whenever you get frustrated you're just like <laughs> and I didn't know that. And I asked like a really good friend. I've been friends with her like 20 years. I'm like, do I do that? She's like, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, but we've had, we had one instant, one moment we don't talk about <laughs> that, that we, um, that there was a situation and it was my fault. Um, and then we just got, did it, you know, it's work and you work and then you communicate. I think that's in, in like in any relationship, communication is important. And so we're really good about, being honest with each other about what we think about the work, what could be stronger, what's weaker. Um, and I think we respect each other's work um, a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so that makes a difference. We respect what we do. We respect each other as people. Um, and so we have that familiarity to be able to to just talk through projects. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is super awesome. Well, yeah. you both... Your partnership just is amazing and it have, has produced some really great, um, end products. Um, are there any plans of you two working together in the future? Hopefully. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully. Can't talk about some stuff. <laughs> awesome. Like just to know that something's in the work mm-hmm. is cool. 
Um, in a past interview, you mentioned that your mom hasn't read your book. And you said because she prefers to read in Spanish. Are your or any of your works available in Spanish? Has she read the book since? And um, are you thinking of translating any of your work into Spanish? Yeah, so um, I was quickly corrected by my brother with that interview. <laughs> uh, because he texted me. He uh-huh. read. I didn't know he read <laughs> interviews I did. <laughs> and he was like, Mom read your book. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, she read it. And I was like, oh. And then I asked her. She was like, no, I read it. And I was like, okay. So, um, <laughs> but she knows what the book was about. I, before it was published, um, I was, you know, it was all fun and games until it was going to be published. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, I have yeah. to tell her what it's about. Uh-huh. And so I told her and I was scared, you know. It's like 30-something. Scared my mom que me iba a regañar. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was like, no, pues, si la ayuda a otras muchachas, Aww. entonces está bien. That's wonderful. You know, and, um, and so she, she has, she loves Ugly Cat and Pablo, the first one. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, cuando quiero reír, nomás leo ese libro. <laughs> and she reads in English, like my mom speaks English, you know, mm-hmm. so she reads in English. She's, feels, she's always talking about, no, pues no hablo yo en English. Like, okay, mom. Yes, yeah. you do. I know, right? My dad, same yeah. thing. And I'm like, dad, really? Come on. Yeah. You know, and so she, um, she's read it. She loves Ugly Cat and Pablo. She's constantly telling me, ¿Y cuándo lo van a hacer programa de televisión? I don't know. Mom. <laughs> I hope for that too, but I can't make that happen. You know? So, um, Ugly Cat and Pablo, the first one is in Spanish. Uh, My Puppy Has a Motorcycle is also in Spanish. Oh, really? Uh, Photographic, um, is in Spanish. And in Spanish, let's see, Photographic is Iguana Lady, La Vida de Graciela Turbide. Interesting. And that wow. was published by La Fabrica, which is a, a publisher out of Spain. Okay. And then, um, like they, they called it Iguana Lady or? They like, did. Okay. They I was going to say, or Mujer de Lagartijas or something or like that. Mujer Iguana. <laughs> <laughs> Mujer Iguana would have been fine, pero, uh-huh. um, no, I didn't choose the Spa- Spanish title. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should have seen the titles we had for photographic. We just were like, Zeke and I, yeah, we <laughs> just going back and forth. But, um, but the imprint, I think, ultimately chose the Guana Lady because a lot of places around the world she's known as. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah. I remember yeah. Yeah. The, the picture of the Iguanas yeah. on the hat. Yeah. yeah, so, and then Ugly Cat and Pablo in Spanish is Feucho y Pablo. Uh-huh. And then Mi Papi Tiene Una Moto. Oh. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Gabby will give me, you know, translated soon. I always get that question yeah. from um, whenever I travel, like, is it going to be in Spanish? And, and the thing is, like, we as writers, we don't usually have a say in that. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, okay. And and I, a few years back, I remember I was having a brief conversation with uh, Margarita Ingle. Um, she's, you know, the youth, I think she's still the youth, uh, children's youth poet laureate. Um, she's amazing writer. You should check out her work. Um, and she was talking about how she, how Latinx writers have a harder time having their work translated into Spanish. Wow. Right? Interesting. So, because, yeah. Like Jeff Kenny, like Jeff yeah. Kenny, right? Dire Kid, mm-hmm. that'll be translated into Spanish immediately. Like all of these mm-hmm. books will be R.L. Stein, you know, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. Captain Underpants. That'll be translated into Spanish. Mm-hmm. But books by Latinx writers, it's harder to get them translated. Mm-hmm. That's Mm. The worst kind of irony. <laughs> Isn't it though? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like something with like that, I would want to have more control yeah. over that translation. Or if not, do it myself mm-hmm. for that. Because it, to me, Spanish is so personal. Yeah. I don't want a translator to mistranslate something and I'd be like, 
Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. <laughs> you change that shit right now. That would be all up in arms. But I guess also just from the uh, a perspective from the publishing world, it's just like, I, I guess we don't get as much importance in the translation. Yeah, we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the tr- translation, they'll give you, they'll have someone else translate. Like, I wouldn't want to translate my own work. Yeah. Because, like, I want to read someone else's translation because my Spanish isn't, like, you know, literary Spanish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it would be all mucho if I did, <laughs> yeah. you know, my own translation. And so I've, you know, although I have translated poems mm-hmm. and those have come out all right, but um, it takes work. And so, yeah, it does take you know, work. a whole novel to do it myself, I know. Yeah. But um, they give you, you know, they, they send you the manuscript and then they you get to go over it mm. and, and see mm-hmm. if this is good or not good or if you have disagreements. And actually... In photographic, there's one thing that I didn't like, and they kept it. And oh. I was really bummed when I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that there's a scene where um, it's in the white f- fancy stele. And in, in English, well, in the English version, it says, ¿Qué onda? Right? Mm-hmm. Pásenle. I think that's what it says. ¿Qué onda? Pásenle. But that's already in Spanish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they translated it to, I think, ¿Qué tal? Or, or something more proper. Yes, uh, mm, so that is really like Spain, Spanish. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, like. Like, no one here says that. No. no well, I mean, people do, people do say it. And but, the, but no one at White Fence says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it kept in the character, uh-huh. right? And, and also, like, it's already in Spanish. It's right. just another yeah. slang term. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I, that was the only thing that I was like, man, I wish they would have kept. Mm-hmm. what I had in Spanish already but mm-hmm. so here on the podcast we have a section called on my radar where we kind of highlight what it is that we're reading or watching or consuming at a point that we feel like we should uh share each of us here on the podcast has struggled with identity and defining our latinidad throughout our lives we even had listeners approach us with feelings of uh, inadequacy uh within regards to being uh latinx and or not being latinx enough because they didn't speak Spanish. Uh, for so many knowing that there, there, that there are others that are kind of like, that are like us that don't speak Spanish or like they don't feel Latino enough, mm-hmm. uh, because they don't speak Spanish, it can be very demotivating. And currently it feels as if more and more positive Latinx culture and identity is finding its way into movies, TV, and books and such as that. So do you have anything that you think represents Latinidad or that really captures it, uh, that you would like to share? Or just anything else that you think, feel is cool, uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, and let me just say something about, you know, if you don't speak Spanish, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> right? Like, that, that's it. Like, I mean, one could argue that it's also the language of the oppressor, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I think that language is complicated for a lot of people, and a lot of people, like, I have friends, I've dated people who don't speak Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. and they're very brown, and so it's interesting because they'll be spoken in Spanish too, but I will not be spoken in Spanish yeah. too, mm-hmm. right? And so these are assumptions of what it means to be Latino or what it means to be Latinx, and mm-hmm. and that we, I think we should be careful not to fall in that trap and try to out Chicano each other, right? Or out yeah. to out Latino each other, <laughs> you know, because um, we are all Latinx, right? Yeah. We are all that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's compl- identity is complicated. Identity uh, is complicated. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not easy to say. It's not just, you know, if you speak Spanish, then automatically you're, mm-hmm. you know, this amazing Latinx person. You may <laughs> hate yourself. You may hate using Spanish. I've talked to people who... 
I used to work with a teacher. I'm going to put her on blast. I'm not going to say her name. But I worked at a school and in Rialto. She taught second grade. And she didn't like speaking Spanish to the parents. And she spoke Spanish. Wow. Wow. Right? And she spoke Spanish and she taught the EL kids. And she it, she had a sticker on her card that said English spoken here. You know? And so, wow. So that can't be a marker. Right mm-hmm. for pride, that can't be a marker for. I know it's it's complicated yeah, language, yeah. Complicated. and the whole like if you're Hispanic, love not only that, like all right, if you like if it's a immediately a marker in Mexican, is then you should be speaking Nahuatl yeah. or other ones, mm-hmm. or, and I should be speaking Quiche because that's the thing for Guatemala and yeah. stuff like that. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. No, so mm-hmm. but books, I actually brought some that I don't know if you've looked at. Oh, Ooh, cool. Cool. Ooh, super cool. Visual aids. <laughs> I, 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 so, you are a teacher. Uh, yeah, I am. So I, I, I was also in elementary school library tech. So I've got Los Gatos Black on Halloween. Oh, oh my god. god. That's so cute. And that's by Yuji. Um, it's illustrated by Yuji Morales and written by Marisa Montes. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Pic- these are all picture books. I'll tell you grown up books too, but yeah. uh, Pancho Rabbit and the Coyote, A oh Migrant's Tale by Duncan Tonantini. <gasps> So, oh my god. We're gonna so take cool. pictures of these and share yes. them with everyone so they can then. find them themselves. This has been like, I, I read <laughs> this often. Vamos, let's go to the market by uh-huh. Raul the Third. You know, yes, yeah, the artist. I saw that, I saw yeah. that look and I was just like, hey, that looks hilarious. familiar. Look at this. Oh His god. art is so amazing. His art. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. He's so talented. He is. He, he really is. Um, Chicana Farsa and other stories of Jess Identity and Oxnard, the book that changed my life. Oh. I'm gonna read that. Yeah. Uh, Loose Woman by Sandra Cisneros. Ooh. And these are all oh. books that I love. Yeah. I got but to meet Sandra Cisneros at a book fair I told you guys about. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to take a picture with her and it, it was great. She read, uh, from Canelo. Canelo, I think. Caramelo? Also. Caramelo, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh-huh. I don't know why I said Canelo, but yes, Caramelo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She's she, amazing. She's so kind. Like, I yeah. met her once. And I snuck into a luncheon, mm-hmm. um, and it was at Cal State San Bernardino, and it was only for the MFA students. Like, she gave a talk to the university, mm-hmm. you know, and she signed books, and then afterwards it was, like, a small private lunch for the MFA students. Mm-hmm. I was not in the MFA, but I was like, fuck this. <laughs> like, and I just, like, walked in, uh-huh. and then I remember the professor, they had tickets, and so they were checking them out uh-huh. the door. He was like, I just walked in and he was like, you, this is only for the MFA students. You can't come in. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm not leaving. So. (laughs) (laughs) That was sensational. (laughs) And he he was like, well, don't eat too many egg rolls because we didn't. I'm here for the fucking egg rolls. I'm here for some of these nails, right? I don't care about your food. There's a person I admire. Yeah. Yeah. But um, books that I've also, I think people, Dealing in Dreams by Lillian oh. Rivera. Oh. And that's like a dystopian, mm-hmm. uh, girl gangs have taken over like the world. Nice. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty fucking awesome and you should read it. Oh my God. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Obviously not your, um, not your perfect Mexican daughter. Oh, yeah. Yes, by yes. Erica Sanchez. Uh-huh. So good. Um, seeing off the Johns is another good one. Books by Pablo Cartaya. And everyone talks about Aristotle and Dante, Discover Secrets of the Universe by uh-huh. Benjamin Ali Sainz. Uh-huh. It's an awesome book. Obviously, it's amazing. But his book, Sammy and Juliana in Hollywood, came out like 2005. Holy shit, that book is so good. Ooh. So fucking good. It's a, it takes place in the 1960s during Chicano movement. 
mm-hmm. um, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, in mm-hmm. a barrio named Hollywood. Oh, and, wow. And, you know, neighbors are being drafted, mm-hmm. right? You've got the women's right movement going on. You've yeah. got Chicano movement. All of this stuff intersects in this small little barrio. And it's just so good. And I don't think it's gotten enough attention ever. Okay. People so. should <laughs> should definitely pick that up. But, uh, but yeah, Dealing in Dreams by Lillian Rivera is, is super good and... Yeah, I could go on, but yes. That's so cool. I got a hit at my library. Right? <laughs> I'm ready for this. And then um, stage a protest when they don't have any of these on the shelf. <laughs> Do it. You know, they didn't have my book at the Corona Library. What? Really? I'm, app- I'm appalled. Yeah, so it, it was interesting when I went in there. I was looking for books like by Latinx writers, and they had one on audiobook, and I think they had a few other like regulars, but... Not like a, not even award-winning ones. I was just like, are you kidding me right now? In Corona? Yeah. Oh man, that's terrible. So we have a, a segment, Chisme de la Semana. Are there any stories, comics, projects, anything that you're working on currently? Un poquito de chisme? Yeah, I have a lot of things that I'm working on. Um, I'll tell you about a story that, an excerpt of a novel that's going to come out next year the novel isn't it's a the excerpt is in a anthology and i forgot the name of the anthology (laughs) i'm a shitty person um but it's it's an anthology that i was invited to participate in and it's either uh authors are either immigrants or children of immigrants oh Oh, wow right and so um the story it's a fiction story but it's about a young woman who is writing, who's driving through California. She has a road trip story and she finds out that her dad has another family. Of course. <sighs> and so she's like, what? I have a brother who's like a year older than me mm. and she wants to meet this brother. And so she decides to go on this road trip and she doesn't speak Spanish, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? She doesn't mm-hmm. speak Spanish. She doesn't, um, doesn't really know what direction she wants to go in, except that she loves art and music. Um, she doesn't really want to go to school and she's just graduated high school. Okay. All right. So she's trying to figure all of this stuff out. And meanwhile, her friend on the road trip, she picks up her friend who's just gotten released from prison and they wow. go on this adventure together. And so the, the beginning of that novel is, is, will be published next year. Oh, wow. Nice. That's crazy. Mm. That's a great premise though. Yeah. You know, I, not a lot of people who've had families that they didn't know about. Yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah. And that, we were just talking yeah. about this uh, yesterday at our book club uh, um, with the whole 23andMe and all the the genetic mm-hmm. markering type stuff. Yeah. That mm-hmm. uh, we've heard. Lo- I've had some friends, uh, personal friends, who that story has oh my God. Um, <laughs> become a very close. Uh, yeah. to them and their experience. And so, yeah, that is actually, uh, the excerpt is coming out next year. Yeah. So when can we expect the actual? Well, I haven't sold the book book. So, but the, the excerpt is coming out next year. Um, and so I need to, I need to finish the book. <laughs> when I finish the book, I'm, I don't know how far. I'm not super far. I'm, I'm kind of far, but not far, far. And this book actually, I've been working on it for a few years, like, I've restarted it I don't know how many times and finally now it's like okay this is where I want the book to go and so um but yeah that's that's what I'm working on and obviously picture book stuff and some some graphic novel stuff and you know stuff I can't talk about but (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for any of the new stuff that you have so we also have a Juntos y Fuertes um segment on the podcast and uh that segment highlights noteworthy endeavors by members of marginalized groups that we really think 
deserve our support. So are there any projects or programs or any other things that you feel like our listeners um, need to know about or that you would like to plug? Sure. So I'd like to plug the the pug. Uh, pugs are cute. But not <laughs> pug. Um, the Poetry is Power Teen Institute. Oh. And that um, I helped out. I was a mentor this year. But it's the second year. Rachel Cruz. She's a uh, Filipina amazing poet. She's the poet laureate of the Inland Empire. She's the Inlandia laureate. And so she, this is one of her programs that she's worked on. And it's a teen institute for the summer for young people wow. in San Bernardino to come and learn to write or to cultivate their writing. It's a safe space. Um, the kids get food. Um, you know, they get a little breakfast. They get lunch. And then at the end, there's an anthology that's put together. So, Oh, that's wow, awesome. That's super cool. So um, if you if anyone wants to donate, <laughs> you can make it keep happening. Uh, Poetry is Power is also... Um, is, is a great, it's a great group, you know, and then, you know, help anyone who is supporting, uh, people at the border right now, mm-hmm. right? Border kindness, border angels, no more deaths, all those groups. Yeah. yeah. That, that poet, uh, poetry program is awesome and amazing. And I really love programs that encourage young people to, to create. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was really cool to be a part of that um, over the, you know, we had envisioned it to be, you know, three or four months. We didn't get the funding we thought we were going to get. Um, so it was only three days and then the final night. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, the kids, the, it went, time went by super fast. They had one-on-one mentorship with nice. um, working students from UCR who are in their creative writing program. And so then it, it involved, like, the whole community, right? Like, here are these burgeoning poets already at at UCR and here are these young, young people and they got to connect and, um, in different ways and they taught workshops mm-hmm. and then they had time to do one-on-one mentorship to work on whatever the kids wanted to work on. Like one of them worked on a song, you know, oh, so, wow, and wow. so at the end, like she performed the song and she had such a beautiful voice. Wow. You know, they even did a, a comics poetry workshop, oh. right? So they illustrated and did a, a one-page comic on wow. about their poem. And um, it was just... And then the last reading was open to the community and to families. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And the young people, the, the students at UCR, they put together the anthology like they legit overnight. Oh, they got oh. all the work on Wednesday. Wow. They finished it by Thursday. No, not even Thursday in the a.m., like the, it was done. It was completely done by Thursday and PM. Wow. So they, they were badass students. Yeah, shout that's out to those, awesome. Those folks. And, um, but that's a great, it was a great program. So hopefully next year it could be a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And this is free for the students? It is free. Okay. It's Ooh. free for young people and it's free, it's free for the teens. Um, we had envisioned being able to give them like public transportation, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if they couldn't get there, um, and all of the, you know, and food and, but it just Trips. didn't work out. It yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. So, um, hopefully next year we have more time for fundraising. Um, like I said, if anyone wants to donate, Landia <laughs> Institute, look it up. You can donate and they'll, um, you know, we, it's just so exciting to see the young people create and come out of their shell and just, the thing about young people too is that they're a little bit less afraid mm-hmm. than older people. Like mm-hmm. as adults, we censor ourselves yeah. so much, but young people, they just write. 
you know, they just write fearlessly. And so it's exciting to read their work. Oh, that sounds awesome. awesome. Now, there's a, there's some similarities with this uh, project and some of the story in Gabby, A Girl in Pieces. Mm-hmm. Were you part of this um, um, this uh, program when you wrote that? Or was it just inspired by? Or Oh, no. Uh, this program is the second year. So last year, Rachel did, she, I think she did a, a Kickstarter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she did it out of Cellar Door Books in Riverside. Um, that's our local independent bookstore. That's another place. I'm like super plugging that. <laughs> I, I rep the IE wherever I go. Give me a microphone and I'm like IE for life. So, um, it's Cellar Door Books in Riverside, super community oriented bookstore. Um, she opened up the space for Rachel and Rachel did the camp there. Okay. Um, but this time around, since she got the laureateship, she did it through the Inlandia Institute, which is a nonprofit literary arts organization that serves the Inland Empire. And so she did it through them. She got funding through them, but it just wasn't enough to do what we had envisioned. And I'm helping her, you mm-hmm. know, with mm-hmm. that, you know, but she is the director and I'm just a chichinkle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where can listeners follow your projects and future projects? Um, so you can go to my, website that is not the best right now <laughs> i'm working on it i'm working on it oh. um but it's laisabelquintero.com but you can contact me through you know the contact sheet goes to me the contact form goes to me mm-hmm. um and then on social media i'm at isabel in pieces isabel in pieces mm-hmm. um and that's for instagram and twitter and then i do have a facebook page but i don't hardly go on there and that's just instead of Quintero author mm-hmm. but if you contact me through there it might be a long time before I get to you. <laughs> but I'm always on Twitter and Instagram so you can follow me there Isabel in Pieces for sure don't worry about your awesome. I, visited, <laughs> I have visited some authors websites that seems that haven't stepped out since the early 2000s <laughs> it's just you know I try to fix it myself and it I made it worse, and then I couldn't, and then I couldn't revert it back to what it was before. So it's just terrible. And so now I've actually like hired someone professional to do (laughs) it. So just gotta do that. Coding is hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll (laughs) stick to one difficult thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Isabel. We want to thank you so much for coming Absolutely. and being on Commodity Comics. And I've just been so inspired by everything that you've shared with and uh, shared with us and all of your projects and any upcoming projects you have that you haven't written yet have already inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so awesome for us as Latinas to have a Latina in the room with us who is out there and is working in the, um, in the literary industry and is getting their work out there in front of people and is inspiring other Latinas, uh, uh, young people that you're working with. I mean, you're just doing so much. So, I mean, uh, this is the part obviously where we just um, pump you up <laughs> with oh, all the you. praise. Um, but is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that we didn't, um, cover or any last words that you'd like to, um, to part, uh, as you walk off into the sunset? Um, you know, just, we we super cheesy but just whatever it is you want to do like go and do it right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i think we stop ourselves so much and we question ourselves so much um be fearless especially right now you know it's hard to be fearless but your voice matters your words matters your art 
your art definitely matters. Like keep creating, keep doing, you know, sometimes it feels shitty because we don't get acceptances. We don't Mm -hmm. get, you know, what we think we should be getting at the moment, but just keep creating like, don't give up. You know, I remember talked to this woman once and she said, she was telling me about her friend who, who had been rejected three times like for her book and she was like I don't think the writing's for me and it's like no you rejected three times and you're giving up yeah it's not for you because, yeah yeah you know but you're giving up after attempt three yeah, yeah yeah so but I just think that you know just remember that like your voice matters your work matters mm-hmm. your your creativity matters it's important that you put it out into the world you know and to take care of each other right and to realize that we're part of a community that we're um both in you know Latinx community, you know, I imagine most of your listeners are Latinx, right? And we are part of the same community and we are part of the same struggle no matter if we're from Mexico, Central America, it doesn't matter. We're all part of the same community and we need to help each other out, respect each other, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, work on things, you know, in our community on anti-blackness, on on colorism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, those things that we all have in common. Yeah. Right? And so that our creativity and our work speaks to that and speaks to, you know, uplift us, you know? Well, I think that's the most perfect note to, to end on. So (laughs) Sarah, do you have any last words? No, I just wanted to thank you for driving all the way over here to Compton and, I'm sorry for giving you the wrong address because I tried to <laughs> I met a new person. I met a new person. <laughs> yeah, I switched the numbers around, unfortunately, but she made it. Uh-huh. Yep. So um, anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Loved your book. Cried a little bit um, and sorry. felt so much, a lot. Um, my cousins were there. They're like, you can't put the book down. I'm like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> you should pick it up. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. No, thank you all for having me tonight. You know, this is, I feel, I feel, I'm not religious, but I feel blessed. You know, I feel fortunate, you know, that I meet awesome people like you all and who are doing such great things and are uplifting each other and, and everyone and giving us giving creators like a space to, you know, to let the world know what we're doing. So thank you. Cool. (laughs) Do what we can. (laughs) So this has been our fifth episode. Oh no, sorry. Seventh (laughs) episode of Las Platicas. Don't forget, you can still find us as always on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Twitter at Comic Comadres as well. And uh, you can email us directly at comadresecomics at gmail.com and follow us on Snapchat. I have a little, few little uh, pictures and stuff like that of events and some videos such as I took some video while we were talking. So. <laughs> and as Sarah says, you can find us on the gram. Yeah. On the, uh, oh, yes, the gram. On Instagram at Comadres e Comics. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.